0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented, of course, by DraftKings. It's also a new week. And what a glorious week it is. I mean, honestly, one of the best weekends of football I can remember in a long time. All five games were competitive. Sure, the Niners pulled away from the Seahawks in the fourth quarter, but other than that, I mean, these were all nail biters down to the very end. Just a absolutely wonderful, wonderful weekend of football. It's a wonderful week, by the way, for you and you and you to try to be a winner and to win something. I love it. You could be the spread the word winner via social media. You know what I'll do? We'll do the Facebook thing again. Ross Tucker Pod on Facebook. It's the new thing. We're looking to grow that. So pretty easy. I know a lot of you are on Facebook. Just follow Ross Tucker Pod on Facebook. And then the sponsor confirmation email winner. So easy this week. It's westshorehome.com slash Ross. Just get a free consultation and you have a terrific chance to be the winner this week dot westshorehome.com slash Ross. I'll tell you more about that later on the show. I can tell you uh, the girls are thrilled. They took their first shower in the new shower bathroom last night. They just can't believe how much more room it is. And I said, yeah. And as you get older and bigger, you're going to be even more thankful that there's all that space in there now. It's like a different world. And then the YouTube shout out. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You know the deal there. Just subscribe and then reply and say, I want the shout out. It makes it so much easier. I can see the people that really want to win. They really want the shout out uh, video that I can do for you. Speaking of shout outs, we've been getting some new patrons. Uh, we've been racking them up. I got to start to give them their shout outs. Andrew Rivera. Andrew Rivera has been awesome, by the way, also on the private Slack channel, the Tuckhead Slack channel. Andrew, welcome to the family. Love when we get patrons. A lot of people, I think, want the bets, you know, in black and white on the Even Money podcast, Patreon.com slash RT Media. But I love that even if that's why you initially came, a lot of you start to become part of the uh part of the membership, part of the family. You start to engage. In discussions with the other, the other tuck heads, and that's what it's all about. It's big show time.
1: The big show. All right, where else Where we get in each game? What were your overall themes from Wild Wildcard Weekend?
0: So I, I guess a couple, right? So first of all, this is sort of um, January is always an interesting month because it's like there's two different things going on. At the same time, right? So you've got the football the playoffs, what's going on on the field, and then you've got the stuff going on off the field. So we found out Friday afternoon that Sean McVay will be returning to the L.A. Rams. I don't know that I'm overly surprised by that, but... It's just interesting that there was so much discussion about him being done and him stepping away, and and it comes out Friday afternoon that he's coming back. He's staying, but evidently they're going to make some changes on the coaching staff. I don't know. I mean, they had a terrible year. All their best players got hurt for the most part. I would expect them to have a decent bounce back year next year, but McVeigh staying. Got to at least mention that somewhere here since we did not get a chance to get to it on Friday because it happened after that. So you get all the the on-the-field stuff, which I'll obviously get to. But then you got the the off-the-field stuff involving really, you know, the West Coast coaches, three of them that jump out. One is McVay coming back to the Rams, which is good news for them, obviously. But doesn't it feel like You know, this always makes me wonder a little bit. Does he really want to be there? Are you really going to get everything you need from him? Because it's the second year in a row where he's like one foot in, one foot out. He's doing the hokey pokey and he turns it all about. That's what Deshaun McVay is doing. You know, last year it was, oh, he might do TV. Maybe that's purely a ploy. To get a better contract a year ago. But this year it felt more real. And you know. I think it's fair to wonder. Is one of the reasons why they had to step back. Because. McVay's not really all in. Or is it once he makes a decision. To coach again. That he's going to be all in. I just think it's. It's something I certainly would be considering. If I. Were in the front office. Or Stan Kroenke. It's like. Does he really want to be here? Because that's a job where you really, really got to be all in. So he's decided to come back, which I think is good for the Rams. But on some level, it's like, "Mm, is this really what he wants to be doing? Then you have Cliff Kingsbury making it very clear. And I wrote this on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL that he books this one-way ticket to Thailand I don't know if Kingsbury knew that in his contract, it says he needs to try to get gainful employment. I got to be honest with you guys. I didn't even know that until Michael Lombardi last Wednesday. I didn't know that in that contract where they get all these millions of dollars for years, I didn't realize that they supposedly have to try to get employment that doesn't mean that they really need to. I mean, they just got to make a couple calls. Oh, I can't get a head coaching job. That's the only one I'm interested in right now, blah, blah, blah. But that is interesting. I mean, look, I don't blame Kingsbury for the one-way ticket to Thailand at all. But maybe you shouldn't be so brazen about it, right? Maybe you shouldn't have told people that and been like, yeah, I'm just going to go on the owner's dime essentially and hang out in Thailand and blah, blah, blah. So I don't blame him, but he's going to have to start making some calls, it sounds like, and at least acting like he wants to get back into coaching this year, even if that's not the case. And then we'll get to the game momentarily, but Brandon Staley, job security. Wow. Between the Mike Williams stuff last week and then Mike ultimately not being able to play, and him playing those guys against Denver. And by the way, those guys that didn't get rest because they played against Denver kind of faded in the second half of that game, didn't they? Kind of faded in the second half of that game against Jacksonville. And so he had about as bad of a week as you can have. I mean, the comments he made, the decision he made, you know, blowing the lead 27-0, Very curious to see what happens with Brandon Staley over the next couple weeks. I do think the Chargers have to ask themselves two things. Is he the right guy to get us where we need to go? But also like, are we sure we can get somebody better? He's not, he's not a terrible coach. So are we sure we can get somebody better? I think those are fair questions. So that's kind of like the off the field stuff that, Is themes from the weekend, the the on-the-field stuff. All five games had a lead change. All five games were incredibly entertaining. I mean, even the ones that we didn't really think would be. Bills, Dolphins, the game I called yesterday. And I did get a lot of tweets from a bunch of you. At Ross Tucker NFL, I really appreciate that. You know, Cincinnati Baltimore. I don't think people were expecting Cincinnati Baltimore to be that competitive. I kind of was actually. Uh, I I kind of thought the Ravens would would come to play and that that would be a close game, but just an incredible game. I think Super Wildcard Weekend is awesome. Now I love the format. I love the two on Saturday, the three on Sunday, the one on Monday night. You know, we still have a game tonight to look forward to. And it's arguably, you know, the most interesting one between the Cowboys and the Bucks Should be awesome. So, just a big fan of Super Wild Card Weekend. You know, expanding it doesn't seem to have hurt the product. Even the the Dolphins as a number seven seed were able to be right there with the 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 Buffalo Bills and the Seahawks had to lead at halftime as a seven seed. So the action was just amazing. And you know, I could probably say this every weekend all year, but coaching, man. Coaching. I mean Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins getting delay games and burning timeouts and having no timeouts late in that game. Just really, really poor. Really poor. Or I thought the clock management by John Harbaugh was rough last night. Now, in fairness to him, I think he really did not want to leave enough time for Joe Burrow to get a field goal. I think that was a a major consideration was we don't want time on the back end so that Burrow can get a field goal if we get a touchdown and tie it or touchdown two-point conversion to take the lead. And I suppose, ultimately, it wasn't the time. It was the 4th and 20 or whatever that ended the game for them. But still thought the clock management should be better there. So that's one of the things that jumped out to me. is just an awesome, awesome weekend of football. And then just how important coaching is. I mean, the Giants are like a totally different team with Day Bowl and Kafka. The The defensive coaching staff for the Vikings leaves a lot to be desired. You I mean, guys are just wide open all the time. I mean, what is going on? And so, coaching is the other thing that, that jumped out to me. Um, just some teams are in a much better situation than others. You know, you guys can be in a much better situation than you have been if you go to westshorehome.com slash Ross. So, a couple things you need to know, right? Number one, make sure you're following me at least on Twitter and Instagram at Ross Tucker NFL, because I think probably tomorrow I'm going to post some before and after pictures. You are going to be blown away. And actually you don't even need that because if you go to westshorehome.com Ross, they, they have before and after pictures right now and they have like a time lapse video. So you could see them tear out the old fiberglass tub. You know, not only was there a fiberglass tub, but the ceiling was like dropped down. I don't know why they did that. The previous owner, love them by the way, great family. But like, I I couldn't even get in those two tubs because it was like, maybe it was a lighting thing, but they even fixed that. There's so much more space and room. They look so much more modernized. Just a big fan of West shore home. They make bath remodeling so easy. And if you've ever considered, boy, it'd be really nice in any bathroom in your house to have a new bathtub or a new shower, it, 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 it makes you feel like a million bucks when you see it. It's awesome. I recommend at least getting a free consultation with these guys. It's www.westshorehome.com slash Ross. Not only do you get the free consultation, you get 20% off.
1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Awesome. Tuck takes All right, Ross, we'll start with the legend of Brock Purdy continues to grow following his 332-yard, three-touchdown performance, and a blowout victory of the Seattle Seahawks.
0: You know what? He keeps checking boxes, Jack, doesn't he? I mean, he keeps checking boxes and playing well. Speaking of playing well, I thought Geno Smith – played really well in the first half. Really well. Even when he was under duress at times, he had to bomb the DK Metcalf, who beat Javarius Ward down the sideline. And how about the end of the first half when the Niners get the field goal and then Geno Smith scrambles and Jimmy Ward, what are you doing? I mean, one of the worst, most blatant, unnecessary roughness penalties I've ever seen. And so the Seahawks get a field goal. They're up 17, 16 at halftime. And they were even really hanging in the second half until Geno Smith fumbled late in the third quarter. I can't remember who stripped him, but when Geno fumbled late in the, in the, in the third quarter, that was kind of it because Seahawks are down six it looks like they're going to at least get a field goal, maybe get a touchdown to take the lead again. Gino fumbles, Niners recover. They go down for a touchdown, and they kind of never look back, right? I mean, that was that was the play. But first half, I was really impressed by Gino for sure. You know, on the Niners side, I thought Purdy had, had was kind of up and down. He had some rough moments, especially in the first half. But I really like the mobility that he brings to the Niners. How about the first down where he kind of like high-stepped to get the first down as he was running? I like that he's got some swag to him, which cracks me up. And um, he, he played much better in the second half. You know, in the first half, it felt like they were settling for a lot of field goals, right? They scored 16 points, which meant they settled for three field goals. Second half, they got some touchdowns. to helped that they got some big plays. It is wild. I can't remember the last team that had almost interchangeable parts like Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. They're both so versatile. You know, there are plays where they have Debo Samuel at tailback and Christian McCaffrey split out wide as a wide receiver. They both made huge plays. McCaffrey in the first half went like 60-some yards. Debo Samuel, second half, went 70-some yards for a touchdown. Those guys those guys are O.W.s. They're not running backs. They're not wide receivers. They are offensive weapons. Absolutely offensive weapons. Um, I thought the Seahawks to have a chance would have to get some big plays in the passing game. They kind of did. D.K. Metcalf had a big game. But the second half, Geno was under duress from the Niners' defense the whole time and just not not really able to to keep it going. I mean, the Seahawks were never going to be able to score 41 points, so the Seahawks' defense really needed to play better than that to give them a chance. It had to be like a 27-24 type game for them to have a chance to win.
1: Chargers are going to charge her. Los Angeles has a meltdown of epic proportions, leading to a stunning loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 31-30.
0: Just unreal, right? I mean, and it started – I can't remember, Jack. Did we know when I made my picks on Friday? Did we know? We didn't know when I made my picks on Friday that Mike Williams was out, did we?
1: I think we thought he was playing. I think that was right. the Right. We thought he was
0: going to play because that's what the indications were. I guess they did another scan because they thought it was like a bruise or – you know, just back spasms, but he wasn't getting better during the week. So they did another scan Friday morning and they found out he had these fractures, three like fractures in his back and then he'd be out two to three weeks. So that sounds like it was like a transverse process, whatever the heck that is. But so Mike Williams is out. So all the conversation we had last week about Brandon Staley playing the guys against the Broncos Mike Williams gets hurt, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that gets magnified like you wouldn't believe. When arguably the best offensive weapon for the Chargers not able to play. I mean, that was absolutely brutal for the Chargers that Mike Williams couldn't play. Because you never know, right? Like maybe he makes one. It was a 31-30 game. Maybe he makes one play. That's a difference in the game. So, I don't know that I've ever remembered a guy go from playing that bad to that, that well in Trevor Lawrence. Four interceptions in the first half. Four. Three of them to Asante Samuel. And not only that, not only the four interceptions, but they muffed the punt. The Jags muffed a punt at their own, like, six-yard line. But what happened is on a couple of them, including that muffed punt, the Chargers had to settle for a field goal rather than scoring a touchdown. It makes a difference for sure. And the Jags getting that touchdown at the end of the first half, doesn't it feel like these comebacks, it always kind of starts with that one score, that one touchdown at the end of the first half, which is what happened. So impressed by the resiliency of not only the Jaguars in general, but Trevor Lawrence in particular. Boy, he really could have just gone in the tank, right? To be able to come back. It's his first playoff game. He's playing like crap. To be able to come back from that and put up 31 points, kudos to Trevor Lawrence for the mental toughness there. Clearly, the Chargers settled for too many field goals, right? I mean, three of them, and they were close, you know, they were a bunch of situations like fourth and three. They were down near the goal line. And then Dicker missed a chip shot field goal, which always seems to happen to the Chargers. That's when you knew they're gonna lose. When when Cameron Dicker missed that field goal, it was like, they're gonna lose. I love Doug Peterson's aggressiveness in the second half on two-point conversions, knowing when to go for it. How about the T formation play like Penn State runs on fourth and one, the ETN, which basically ended the game. Just a couple other thoughts, Jack. I really didn't have an issue with the Chargers throwing the ball in the second half and staying aggressive and leaning on Herbert. You know, in hindsight, people are saying, they should have ran it, man. They should have ran it. Take more time off the clock. You know, they needed Herbert throwing it to get some of those first downs to at least get more points in the second half when they got that field goal and, and to convert a bunch of those first downs, Herbert was doing that too often teams just run, run, run. And then they lose that way. Joey Bosa really hurt the chargers. He lined up off sides when they got a blitz that was going to force the Jaguars either to a field goal or a punt. I can't remember. Then he, smashed his helmet on the ground when I think he thought it was a false start and a hold, and that enabled the Jags to be able to go for two. Just a bad, bad look for Joey Bosa. Didn't really make very many plays and hurt his team. I mentioned the three Asante-Samuel interceptions, but here's the thing. Brandon Staley is a defensive coach. The Jaguars had four touchdowns and a field goal on their last five drives. The Chargers D just could not get a stop. Get one stop Chargers D. They couldn't do it lastly. Terrific game for Gerald Everett for the Chargers, but ultimately all for naught.
1: Confusing time management decisions from both sides headline a close 34-31 victory for the Buffalo Bills over the Miami Dolphins.
0: Let's start with the food. By the way, environment was awesome. Buffalo's awesome. Weekend was awesome. I mean, just awesome. Got up there to Holiday Valley, Jack, early Saturday morning. Skied in the morning. I had lunch with former Jaguar and Texan, Seth Payne, um, who's got a place up there and is up there sometimes, which was incredible. Um, Good to see him and his wife, Brandy. And then uh, that night, I was able to have a few daddy sodas and the best wings I've ever had in my life at Bar Bill Tavern with a uh, longtime listener and tuckhead Steven Soroka and his wife Lindsay and his brother Jeffrey and girlfriend Ann. It was just it was spectacular. Just spe- I mean it was like a dream day to ski in the morning, have a couple daddy sodas at lunch with uh, Seth Payne, ski a little bit more, get up to Buffalo. Yeah, and then meet up with some listeners. I mean, and I love that uh, Lindsay Stevens wife listens sometimes. That's, that's what happens, I guess if the, if the husband listens a lot, sometimes the wife does. So it was it was just fantastic. So shout out to, to Saturday and everybody. And then Sunday was cool. The, the press box food for the bills, there's always a difference between press box food and booth food. Um, not always, but there is in Buffalo. Because the booth area is a different area than the press box, but we uh, they had ham and cheese croissants. A little bit too the, the croissants were a little bit too toasted for me, and it was too much bread. I, I'm I'm more I'm more into the ham and cheese as opposed to the bread. They had eggs as well and some bars you can eat from. And then uh, halftime is when they really did it. Halftime they had a whole thing of barbacoa meat which I love, like Chipotle barbacoa meat, and then the pasta. I can't remember what kind of pasta it was, but it was absolutely delicious. As for the game, looked like it was going to be a blowout. I mean, it looked like the game was getting away from the Dolphins early. You know, they were doing all kinds of zero coverage, which is man-to-man across the board. Josh Allen knows it's coming So he's throwing deep passes. Diggs beats him deep on third and 15 to get the one-handed touchdown pass to Dawson Knox, 7-0. Then Skylar Thompson threw a bad pick to Dean Marlowe. They run a quarterback counter, but give the ball to James Cook. So it's 14-0 Bills. Um, But then, you know, and, and then the Bills get another field goal, which I thought Josh Allen did the right thing, not trying to force it, get up three scores like he did with the field goal. But then it was like the tide opened up with the Dolphins and the with with the mistakes by the Bills. I mean, you have an interception by Xavier Howard, led to another field goal, 17-6. Then you had a punt return by Cedric Wilson, led to another field goal. Gosh, if the Dolphins had just been able to get some more touchdowns and field goals on that, 17-9. And then Javon Holland was able to get a pick As well, it bounced off uh, Cole Beasley. Next thing you know, Mike Kosicki scored a touchdown at 17-17. Now, the Bills were able to get some momentum back at the end of the first half as Josh Allen hit Gabe Davis, who had a really big game. I mean, it's like playoff Gabe at this point. He does more in the playoffs than he does the regular season. Um, To go up twenty seventeen, second half, you're like, okay, Bills will probably be able to pull away now. Eric Rowe blitzes off the edge, forces Josh Allen to fumble. Zach Sealer picks it up. 24-20. Dolphins in the second half. Turnovers, man, are the big equalizer. And Josh Allen just has to take care- better care of the football. I've been saying it all year. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the reason why they lose a game. It just is. Um, but then I thought one of the biggest plays of the game – I have no idea why the Dolphins up 24-20 and backed up in their own territory. They had Skylar Thompson on third and really long try to throw the ball down the field. I even said it on the radio right before it happened. You cannot throw an interception here. Run a draw. Punt it away. Nope. Interception. So, Takair Elam. So, next thing you know, touchdown for Cole Beasley, 27-24. Josh Allen throws a bomb to Gabe Davis, 34-24. By the way, at that point, you're like, okay, the game's over. They're up by 10 again. No, Skylar Thompson kept playing. And Long Miami drive go up 34-31. Dolphins were done in by drops in the first half. Those guys did not help out Skylar Thompson. And then the second half, the timeouts delay games. I mean, really bad look, I thought, for Mike McDaniel
1: in the second half of that game. Daniel Jones in New York upset the Vikings on the road to Minnesota 31-24.
0: There's always at least one, Jack. There's always at least one upset. Actually, there were two because the Jaguars were the underdogs as well. Daniel Jones was incredible. Remember um, a couple weeks ago when Greg Cosell and I were talking about Daniel Jones and I said on Twitter, the Giants were kind of right. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, Giants were right about Daniel Jones, dude. <laughs> yeah, right, he sucks, dude. Oh, really? Did you watch the game yesterday? Did you watch the playoff victory for Daniel Jones yesterday? Had an awesome game. Saquon Barkley absolutely has the burst back. Both of his touchdowns, he showed, first of all, the first one, just serious juice. The second one, being able to, to squeeze in and power through for the touchdown impressive. This Isaiah Hudgens guy for the Giants has come out of nowhere to be a force making plays. Dexter Lawrence is an all pro football player and deservingly. So the Giants were able to overcome a horrible Darius Slayton drop, which probably should have ended the game. And then how about the roughing the passer penalty on Dexter Lawrence? Terrible. I mean, that could have been the difference in the game. Terrible. But then for some unknown reason, Kirk Cousins, fourth and eight, throws the ball to Hawkinson underneath. I thought I thought Kirk Cousins actually played pretty well. The Vikings' defense is just tough. I mean, that's the wrong word. They're just bad. They have a really bad defense. Thought Hawkinson was excellent. Vikings did not get enough out of Justin Jefferson in the game. Didn't throw it to him enough. But the story of this game to me was Daniel Jones being awesome and the Vikings defense being bad.
1: We'll wrap things up with the team I decided to wrap today with Cincinnati, who outgained Baltimore by 130 yards, or Baltimore outgained Cincinnati by 130 yards, but the Bengals still managed to get a 24-17 victory.
0: Right, man. I mean, the Bengals' O-line injuries becoming a major problem. This time it was Jonah Williams. So they had to put Jackson Carmen in at left tackle. Not good. If they don't have Jonah, if they don't have Jonah Williams against the Bills, that will be problematic. Bengals dominated the first quarter. They go up 9-0. This feels like every game was the same. But the Ravens started to play bully ball in the second quarter. Long touchdown drive. Then they get the field goal at the end of the first half. They're up 10-9. That game, by the way. Went exactly how the Ravens would have wanted to go. Snoop Huntley was much better than he had been during the regular season uh, with his arm, some throws he made, like the touchdown pass to Eli Apple as the Ravens tied it up again, I think 17-17. He was awesome with his legs. Honestly, this whole game came down to one play. And I think it's as big of a swing play as I can remember. And yes... I know that there's other games, plays that ended games, right? And the James Harrison play in the Super Bowl is wild. But the Ravens were at the... Tyler Huntley fumbled at like the five-inch line, at the one-foot line. The Ravens are going in for a touchdown to take the lead. It gets popped out by Logan Wilson right into Sam Hubbard's arms for a 99-yard touchdown. I mean, just an absolutely insane, insane, I tell you, lead change. And that ended up being the game. Ravens had a couple chances after that. They couldn't get it done. We mentioned the clock management at the end. What a weekend of football. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Tomorrow, I'll be breaking down tonight's game and uh, find find a guest to come on, I think. Unless we have a bunch of emails to get to. I'll have to check that out too. Shout outs to Pizza Boy Brewing. College draft will be tomorrow, by the way. Emery's traveling. Sportaculture, humanheadnyc.com, sports.com, go-bangles.com. Good website to go to today. Evergreen Economics, Vision Comics with an X, backoffice scheduler.com, myfrontpagestory.com, of course. Less than a month. We are less than a month from Valentine's Day, MyFrontPageStory.com. Trust me on this one. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.